This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Brandon Worth, Joe Nagy here. Um, in some, what you could say, chaotic circumstances here, Joe. I know the last three days for us have been nothing but, you know, just just slight mass chaos. No, no big deal, right? Yeah, no big deal. I mean, Monday, uh, we had, we basically had our whole show recorded, and then the what is it, system got corrupted or something like that. Luckily, our interview stayed saved, uh, so I was fine. But then that just kind of added on to a whole bunch of stuff. Had to change our recording set or our recording uh, schedule so it fit around that. So it's just been a whole tough week. And then now we got to go through Zencaster, uh, at least for this time. And maybe we'll see what happens. But definitely been a weird, weird week recording-wise. Yeah, for sure. And um, we're, we we did save our interview. And I know that's what you guys have been looking forward to. We had Katie O'Connell, first state volleyball player on the show. Um, in studio before, so a little bit better quality. But without further ado, we'll send you guys to the interview. As we are now in studio, joined by Ferris State volleyball player Katie O'Connell. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Katie, uh, you already had a practice run, which is pretty good. First one that we've ever had. But, I mean, first question, how good is it to be back? I mean, team has had a really strong start to the season. Um, COVID just kind of kept you guys back from playing, but really, how good is it to be back? It's so nice to be back. We're just really grateful to be in the gym every single day. Um, we're just working to get better and not taking anything for granted, so mm-hmm. really enjoying it, playing with the team. Yeah, and I mean, being back with, with COVID now being kind of a norm, which it's so dumb that we have to say that. It's like going out to your car and you're like, all right, I got to have my phone, my wallet, my keys, and my mask. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, um, with the new COVID protocols, how's the team been adjusting? Has there been things that have been struggle, or has it actually been a pretty smooth sailing for you guys? It's been pretty smooth sailing. I think back in the fall is a little bit of an adjustment, but one of our big sayings is adapt and conquer. So whatever <laughs> we have to do, we're going to do it to be able to play. So it's different with mass playing, but we get lots of water breaks. We go sit in our chairs six feet apart and have mass breaks mm-hmm. as well. So sure. really nice. That's really nice. What does that mean for a typical day then, like practice and game day then for with COVID, like with masks and all that and then regimens and testing? What's that kind of like? Yeah. So usually we test three days a week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7.45 a.m. We're up and getting ready for a COVID test. And then we'll have some meetings throughout the day, maybe with our um, position groups or with our class groups. And then we usually have practice. Um, 4 to 6.30 and lifting with that. So mask up the entire time we're together or some Zoom calls so we don't have to get together and be close with each other to be contacts. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, despite the changes, you guys have started off very well. Sweep wins over Lake State and Ashland and um, um, win against Northland. Now, obviously, first game, get the rust off. We get that. But um, what is it? what is the team looking like so far, and what is your guys' outlook on the season so far? Yeah, we're gelling really well so far. We kind of saw that especially during the Ashland win, um, we just completely played as one team, which was super cool to experience. So we're just working every day to get a little bit better. I think, especially after Ashland, we got so much better and so much stronger from mm-hmm. that one. So. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Ashland, I mean, preseason, they came in as number one. A little bit of disrespect to you guys, especially being, I mean, six-time GLIAC champs. What was the attitude kind of going to that game, uh, especially just kind of trying to make a statement? Yeah, we kind of just took it as another game. We knew Ashland, they're always a great team whenever we play them. It's super competitive, so we knew that they were picked to be top of the South. So we just had to go in, follow our game plan, make them a little uncomfortable, and work hard. Yeah, and um, now we got the preseason GLIAC ranked number one team, the Huskies. And I know, Coach, you were t- we were talking before the show, Coach Wilhelm was not happy about that. And I'm sure you guys have a little bit a little bit of a, a grudge with the Huskies now, but now you guys are going to go take them on and hold them. What are you guys looking forward to to take on the Huskies? Yeah, so they were picked to win the GLIAC. We know every year they're right there with us. So we love playing them because they make us so much better. Like mm-hmm. They're such an aggressive team on offense and defense. So we're just working to do the things we do well and to make them uncomfortable and hopefully come out with the win this weekend. And especially with Michigan Tech all the way up in Houghton, that's like the upper, upper peninsula mm-hmm. What do you guys kind of do with that nine-hour drive to basically just kind of stay focused and get ready? Yeah, so we're taking the nine-hour drive this afternoon. So we do a lot of team bonding, like we'll play games or ask each other questions Mm -hmm. and just lots of just hanging out team time during that. We'll watch some film, go over what we have to do for 
the game this weekend and lots of homework time too yeah yeah that's for sure um i mean you started out um at chicago mother macaulay in uh, ever is it in evergreen park or was that's it just outside? Chicago, so okay okay but. so yeah you're from illinois which yes. i thought was very surprising looking at the demographics of your team you guys have a lot of a lot of different faces from different places and that's something really cool um what exactly brought you up here to little big rapids michigan yeah it's a ways away but so during the recruiting process when i was in high school playing club volleyball I was sending emails to coaches. They were emailing me, and one of them was Ferris State. And mm -hmm. I hadn't heard of it, but Allison Kappel, who we all know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw she was committed there. So I was like, okay, like must be a must be a pretty cool school. Um, so I came on my visit, and I just love the coaches, love the atmosphere, love the team relationships, and love to be a part of a winning volleyball program. Yeah, what, yeah. what success to see you, but from Allison Kappel for sure. Yeah, and uh, now as an upperclassman, I mean, that time just from being that high school senior on your visit probably just seems to fly by now. What would you kind of step back and tell yourself back then, uh, just some tips about what, what she can expect? I would just tell my high school self to really be grateful for the small moments because I feel like playing a college sport, you're really wrapped up in the big things and the success of the team, but it's really those small moments and with your teammates and with your coaches that you'll remember at the end of this. So I think knowing yeah. that coming in would be... Yeah, and especially like at practices and stuff, those little jokes and all that stuff really make yeah. the, the college experience really what Definitely. it is. Yeah, they last forever. But um, final question, um, we always ask athletes on the show, what is your favorite thing about being a Ferris State Bulldog? My favorite thing about being a Ferris State Bulldog is just being part of a sense of community. The volleyball program has a long tradition of winning and just a strong culture. So to be a small part of that is really an honor and being a part of the Ferris Athletes community and Big Rapids community. Everyone's so supportive. So it really makes it feel like home, away from home. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. Katie, thank you so much for yeah, coming on and taking time me. out of your day. Uh, we hope you guys have a safe trip up to Hoenn today. That nine-hour drive is going to be kind of tough. but <laughs> Yes, thank you. Yeah, stay safe. Thanks. Thanks again to Katie O'Connell for taking the time out of her day to come chat with us. If you think there's an athlete that would come on our show or that you want on our show, just let us know. How do you do that? At the MVSP on Instagram and Twitter, Joe. Are you following the MVSP on Twitter and Instagram? I mean, I should be. It's, my, okay. it's our podcast. I should be following it. But I feel like, yeah, no, I think I'm pretty sure you are. But if you're not, come on now. We need you to follow us, and then you can know all the crazy stuff going on on our podcast and when we're releasing new episodes, including – our bracketology episode Sunday. Joe, tell us yeah, about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Sunday, going to have the boys from Mike's Takes over on the show. Going to be going through basically just a whole bracket, uh, choosing who we're going to have kind of go far in the tournament. Going to be a lot of fun. We were going to do it last year, but then COVID happened. It got canceled. I think a week before we were – or like a day before we were going to do uh, the show because we got canceled on – or we – school got basically – sent to online on spring break, and then we were going to do that the following Monday when we got back. But nonetheless, it's going to be a lot of fun. Always have fun when uh, the boys from Mike's and Takes are on the show. But nonetheless, time again, the Ferris Sports Report. Not a lot of stuff going on over the weekend. Only got a couple sports in action. Uh, so we'll start with the Ferris State hockey team. They're going to be playing against Minnesota State, first round of the WCHA playoffs. Very excited. They're going to be playing today at 7.07 and then tomorrow at 5. And then if need be Sunday, Brandon, uh, do you think we're going to be able to get be able to upset Minnesota State one of these times, or what do you think is going to happen? It depends if you clarify what you mean by upset. If you're going to say beat them out of the two and of the three game series, uh, I don't know. If if we can squeak, I'll, I'll say this: a, if we can squeak out a game and at least make this three game series, I see that definitely a success. But I will tell you, it's not looking good. But here's the thing: we played this team only a couple weeks ago at home and took them to overtime and knocked out one of the nation's best goaltenders in division. If not two. the best. Yeah. If not the best in Dryden McKay, I, there is a possibility we could play Cinderella the way that our seasons went. That certainly is a possibility. The only thing that scares me is that we're going to have to go to Mintoka and play them, which is, yeah, we've not had success with. We lost four, four Oh and four one earlier on January 23rd and 24th when we faced the Mavericks at their place. And that does scare me. But this is the playoffs. You know what the record is? It's a is? whole new ball game. Zero and zero. Clean slate. Basically new season. Yeah, we're still in 2021. But it's a new season. A new time. 
Time playoffs to rise are, from the playoffs ashes. Are extremely unpredictable. I think if we are going to get a win, we definitely have to get it the first game because I don't know if we'll be able to rally back for second game. And like you said, going to be playing in Minnetonka. That's going to be tough. Uh, so definitely looking forward to it. I think I don't know. Do you know who's starting today in goal? Is it Logan or Roni? Um, I don't think they've they've released out the lines the line charts yet. Um, that's gonna that's gonna be a very interesting question because obviously. Both of them are going to get a shot at goal unless we have one of if either Logan or Roney comes in and absolute has a shutout fest, then might roll over to game two. But if if the first game doesn't go the way, you know, we're going to see the other one, which is really cool, though, to see. I mean, we talked to Roney on our show um, later or earlier on. If you haven't seen that, check it out in the feed. Um, we interviewed him and talking about um, the goaltender rooms with Carter and Logan. And those guys are those guys are all very good goaltenders, and they really learn from each other, and they really push each other. So it's gonna be interesting. My my initial guess is we're probably gonna roll with Roni first, and that's probably be going to be because the last time we played them, Roni was the guy on the ice when we were having our miraculous run. Not saying he mm-hmm. had a that much of a better game than Logan did, but. I mean, Roni had a he had a great game that day. He yeah, stopped. was it forty five saves or something? Oh like my that? goodness, something yeah, crazy. Yeah, he still allowed four goals, but he had a he had a great day in net. And just just that really back to that nostalgia of that day. If you want to bring that back, I think that means you're going to have to put Roni in that spot. But I think it'll be certainly interesting because Logan hasn't been playing too bad either. I know both of them are in. They're not. They're both not Dryden McKay. They're not going to be yeah. in the situation where a sh- anything less than a shutout is unacceptable and can get you benched. But, you know, Joe, great moments are born from great opportunity. And that is what our Bulldogs have tonight. Definitely. I'm very excited. Definitely going to see what they're going to be able to do. They got a clean slate, no expectations coming in this tournament. So they can definitely shock the world with a win tonight or even tomorrow and kind of force the game three on Sunday. But, uh, some other teams that will be playing over the weekend. Uh, tennis has a, a match in Louisville and Plainville, Illinois, uh, I think tomorrow around 6 o'clock. Uh, so I definitely going to be watching out for them. They're going to be trying to continue to get that win streak that they got. I think they got inching five in a row if they win uh, tomorrow. So definitely going to be exciting for them. And then volleyball, uh, talking to Katie yesterday for us. Uh, but in the uh, show, it's going to be just today for you. But talking to Katie, they're going up to Michigan Tech. So it's going to be very exciting for them. Uh, great team in the GLIAC North, Brandon. So it's going to be a great one. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be interesting. Um, obviously, um, tennis is something that we don't cover a lot. But, um, I mean, we, we, we're see- we've seen their success. Their success not flying under the radar. They have, they've been out to a great start. And we're looking forward to seeing um, them, them do especially well, especially the win streak they're on. Um, winning all winning all those big regional games is huge, especially with the momentum. And of course, volleyball. We know we know this what the stakes are tonight. We know that all of these all of these players know what's what's been put out in front of them. You know, this is this is this is the the game that everybody's yeah. had circled this on their is like, calendar. This is like basically the game for the Gleak North, basically. It could it could be. It's just that it's that much important. Yeah, and this could be the decider of who's gonna who's gonna come out as the Gleak North champions at the end of the year. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I mean, really, I think we have we have the firepower to beat anybody in the Gleak and even yeah. beyond. We have the firepower. We have the players that can get it done. We have a great front line, great back line. There's no there's no holes really in our game. Just being able to execute, take away the errors, and being able to get the job done in those in those really kind of cruddy moments. Those those momentum swings the other way. Being able to respond mm-hmm. to those is. Really, the only thing we've really had trouble with this year, and mo- that was pretty much most notably in the second game against Northern, where we didn't play as great as game one, and that's been our only loss on the season. Which is, yeah, it's the first, it's the second game of the season. I mean, there's no, not really any any expectation there to pull from the, for the rest of the season because this team's going to be playing much better. They're going to be a lot more more swift, a lot better execution wise, and we've seen that so far, especially with these last two wins against Lake State. And we've we've real we're really looking forward to them succeeding, especially especially with we got um, going forward. Yeah, gonna be exciting. I I'm definitely looking forward to kind of seeing how Katie's gonna do, especially with Sam as well. She's kind of been playing very well, and then even just everyone else on the team has just been really gelling. I think and Michigan Tech, uh, I think they're ranked above us uh, coming into the preseason. 
which was a little bit of a stab at us. But nonetheless, I think that's going to be a big chip on on the girl's shoulder when they play today and tomorrow, definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah, we, we talked to her about that in the interview, like that um, they just played Ashland, who was quoted to be the best player in the, the GLIAC as of last week. And in the South, they're undefeated. And we we put we put the we put the brooms to him on Saturday and put a beat down on him on Friday. We we really came out and played exceptionally well. Played a clean sweep against Lake Superior State, and then we brought up the Northern games. Of course, the first games of the season. Now this one, I think this game, this Michigan Tech game is going to be even more of a state. It's going to be game. a battle, really. It's going to oh, yeah. be a, a, a down to the wire, like nitty gritty battle, definitely. So. Yeah, especially always, always especially at their place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, but now uh, gonna switch gears a little bit. Now NFL free agency, a lot of moves has been going on. Brandon, we were talking about a little bit off the show, and I mean, if you're a fan of the NFL, you've been seeing kind of the moves going on. But Brandon, what are some of the moves that have been catching your eye? Some that have catched my eye, and I know some the same ones that have caught your eye. I think most notably, um, kind of thankful that our show got inadvertently moved to recording this morning here on this Friday morning, the twelfth, but. Cam Newton, like this is, I guess this is just how, this is just how the chip falls sometimes. I guess we, we were, we were glad enough to be able to report this news that Cam Newton is signing a one-year extension with the New England Patriots worth to up to, I believe, I think it's around the $15 per mil or 15 million per year mark on the one-year extension. And I will say this, Cam Newton is not the long-term solution in New England. No chance. There, that's that's. I don't think that's the the route that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels want to take. But this might not even be a move to solidify him as the quarterback for the Patriots this year. And I'll tell you why. The cap situation is such a crazy time right now. We've seen players getting cut left and right. And we'll go into more of those here in a few minutes. But the fact is, if you have an opportunity to bring somebody back. And even if it's to use as leverage, that could be a possibility because Cam, with this contract now, you're gonna if you're able to move him, for example, to San Francisco for the guy Bill Belichick's inadvertently almost admitted he's wanted the entire last three years, he could do that. And now he's clearing up cap space for him by signing Cam Newton and then freeing that space. So that is a complete possibility especially now when you have this, the crazy circumstances that are going to be going on over the next month until the draft where I re- we've, we really think that there's going to be quarterback carousel moves made because Deshaun Watson's still on Houston. Houston's still fighting him. Russell Wilson rumors are as high as ever, and there's even something going on that there's inside the scenes that something's going on with Chicago which makes Bears fans that more crazy. There was something going on with the Vegas odds that the 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 gambling books took out that the I th- I can't remember if it was took out they originally I think took the Bears out of the trade destination. Then they took out the the whole the whole bet scheme out of the whole book. And now Chicago's odds just shot through the window. So I, if somebody in Vegas has a behind the scenes um, behind closed doors information that nobody else in the NFL knows, then they just they just pulled the leverage. We don't know. But just just these quarterback moves that are going behind the scenes and all this talk right now, if you're gonna if you need a quarterback, you're gonna have to get it quick because especially with this cap scenario where players are gonna start getting released, that if you don't have a quarterback and you don't have anybody that you can sign going into the season, I mean, we're gonna see Kendall Hinton taking another snap as a practice squad wide receiver. And I don't think anybody wants that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm, this is why I love the draft too, is because especially when you get to the points of like talking about quarterback quarterbacks getting like carouseled around and stuff. I mean, we saw that last year with who was it? Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. um, Jameis Winston, and then Cam Newton. They just got basically tossed around. And then we saw what that kind of did for everybody kind of messed up the whole kind of schematics of the league too. And I, that's that's one thing I'm very much looking forward to is what's going to happen this year, especially in the talks of quarterbacks, especially in the talks of you know wide receivers and, and stuff like that. And another one too that I was ex- kind of surprised to see was Mark Ingram that you brought up to me, Brandon. He gets signed to the uh, to Houston. Mm-hmm. What's that really going to do with the Deshaun Watson situation? Because maybe they're trying to build around him again and try to do something there. But nonetheless, 
very excited to see kind of especially especially the Deshaun Watson situation too because that situation I don't think is the best in terms of relationships between the organization and the quarterback and to see if they're going to try to kind of please him and keep him on the team or they're just going to try to please him and get him out depending because I mean they basically got rid of all the people who I mean he was friends with on the team and also all the people who really just gave any sort of uh, production on the team other than him so definitely going to be interesting to see what happens there but nonetheless uh, that that's why I love free agency around the, around the time of the draft because you really never know what's going to happen yeah it's such it's such an amazing time and like you got guys like JJ Watt now going to Arizona um, Christian Kirksey apparently has also signed to Houston I just found that out literally two seconds ago um, <laughs> along with Mark Ingram so apparently unlike what the rest of the league believes Houston's actually not a dumpster fire of a place to go to, I guess. I, I don't know if it's just the money that they have available, um, which really isn't as much as people should think it is. It's not compared to Jacksonville or New York. But, I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting. I think with Mark Ingram, when David Johnson there now, that's going to make that position a little bit in, more interesting. Is Mark Ingram going to go into that that more, pa- if they're going to make him more of the pass-heavy back like Duke Johnson, which really Mark Ingram's between the tackles runner. So does that mean now David Johnson's going to take a step back and Mark Ingram's going to be the, the guy? And that's why he yeah. came to Houston is because he's going to be quoted as the guy. That's really what I think is going to be most interesting because, I mean, they, they, they decided that they wanted to retain David Johnson. They wanted to bring him back with his team, which, of course, is interesting. But, um, I mean, I think, I think teams just want to get their guys, especially in this time. They want people they can trust, um, especially people that are going to be following whatever mandates are going to be made in this, this next season. Because obviously we've seen what COVID damages can hurt a team, especially like Denver in in that crazy week where they had to pull up a practice squad wide receiver to Kendall Hint play quarterback. Um, which also they should just they had the they had the rumor going around they were trying to get um I think it was a former Colorado a Colorado State quarterback or I don't know if it was Colorado State but a co- former college quarterback that was their coach they wanted to try to make him uh that play him let him play quarterback which would have been awesome that would have been a must crazy to see that would have been a must watch game but um it'll be interesting like i know detroit has made their first move they signed tyro williams um which is not a shock at all to me because um obviously with the circumstances uh kenny galladay was not franchise tagged which i think a lot of people are surprised with like myself but in the end um the guy that they go out and get is a chemistry guy with Anthony Lynn. He's a guy that needs to rejuvenate in his career. And he's he's a guy that has a lot of talent that just really hasn't been able to show it due to due to injuries or not fitting scheme or whatever. So I mean it makes sense, especially with the Detroit, like the aura around all of our sports teams getting giving giving guys a chance to rejuvenate careers and kind of reincarnate their success of their of their seat of the season going yeah. into. So It'll, it'll be certainly interesting. I mean, there's going to be a lot of moves that are going to be made still. I mean, there's guys that are getting cut. I know the Lions got rid of Jesse James. Thank goodness. My goodness. I am so happy about that. And it's not against Jesse James. It's it, I, I love Jesse James, what he can bring. He doesn't he doesn't fit Detroit, especially with the money-wise. He was getting paid way too much to be a backup. Hawkinson's our guy. We have, uh, we've yeah. had success training up tight ends. Now we have a tight ends coach and Dan Campbell that knows ex- explicitly how to make tight ends the best in the business. So really to me, Jesse James is not really needed. And I don't think he really wants to go through the rebuild, which I don't blame him since he's pretty much near the end of his career. If I believe yeah, I think, he definitely think, wants to go somewhere. That's a contender. Yeah. Cause I think he's, I, I can't remember if he's in his late twenties, early thirties, but he's starting to get to there where um, you're starting to consider how long is it going to be until you hang up the helmet. So I think that'll be interesting, but I mean, you got you got a lot of guys that are still on the free agent market, and I'll spot a lot of them that have gotten tagged, franchise tag going in. Levante David signed an extension. Um, I think Justin Simmons was a guy that I was kind of hoping would kind of fall behind behind the scenes, and Detroit would have a look at him, but he signed a franchise tag with Denver, so that that kind of ruined that. Um, but I think there's there's still going to be a lot of guys. I mean, Dak Prescott just got his extension. Pay Dak finally happened. And I guess Jerry Jones just decided it was finally time. Um, oh, Jesse James is 27. Just found him. So 27. But I've, it's going to be it's going to be crazy, especially with the cap now being reduced way down. I think it's down 8 percent this year to 182 million. 
that's not good for a lot of teams, especially the New Orleans Saints, which means now you got you got guys. They ju- I believe they just released Janoris Jenkins yesterday, who is a big part of that defense. So there's going to be a lot, a lot on the table, especially when you got a lot of these questionable players that might be necessarily great backups and rotational depth guys on teams, especially like the Chiefs, where they got Le'Veon Bell. They've got guys like Daryl Williams. Are those guys going to be on the team next year If with the cap situation? If they want to bring in somebody else to help out the offensive line, as they just released two other starting offensive linemen. So that's their number one need for everything. So it's just going to be really interesting. Joe, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's definitely – free agency is always weird because you have times where you think organizations are going to make moves that are just – so blatantly obvious that they should make and then they go and do something that literally no one was thinking about and then it gets to the point where it's already just up to the season where if that's actually going to pay off for them or what and then i don't know it just comes down to that where literally fans just don't understand what organizations are doing and like i think like i don't know it's it's just weird because it's such a it's such a weird time in football especially with just like the off season. This is really where everyone's kind of coming through to really build those teams uh, that they can kind of, where contenders can really, or where kind of on the, on the cusp teams of being contenders can really finally become contenders and then rebuild teams can finally really establish themselves as kind of really turning the rock a little bit and getting to that point of being able to win games a lot of the times. And I don't know. Free agency is just one time where it really can rejuvenate an organization season or it can just destroy it. And I, it's just going to be up to the season to really tell what these organizations' success is going to be. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of fans, especially, are are talking about like what what's up with all this? Like, why are guys getting cut that were normally starters? Because then again, like they're impactful players that, especially for Kansas City, like they've had they've had complete success, and them cutting their starting players on a on a surface level just seems like what this doesn't make any sense why would you cut any starters but like in the reality is if you can't make the cap like you're in trouble you you you, this is that's that's almost job number one that goes behind like that goes completely over the heads of a lot of people just because of the fact it's like yeah you're trying to build the best team you can and get as many great players as you can and surround your team but then again if you don't have the money to get them you can't do it or you're going to be like right now we're going to see teams like like the Rams, like the Eagles, like the Saints I mentioned earlier, and even the Bears are even a little high in in, in negative cap space, they're going to have to start letting some guys go. And I think that's going to be interesting because, I mean, like um, we know that Emmanuel Sanders got released from the Saints. He's going to be a hot commodity for any team that wants a wide receiver, especially mm-hmm. maybe that not necessarily needs a number one guy, but just needs another guy to fill the depth chart and another guy that can step up and be a number three or number two guy at it. Cause Emmanuel Sanders can still play. He saw, he showed us that last year, but yeah. all of these moves now that are going to be made are going to impact a lot of other teams. And I mean, even going kind of more into the draft, like you got teams that hold a lot of cards that, especially when it's cap space or draft picks. And really the number one to me, um, Jacksonville obviously has the most cap space, um, but their, their pick, their picks not changing. They, we know who Jacksonville is going to be. Yeah, they're going to go with Trevor. That's yeah. that's literally locked in, set in stone. Yeah, get a tattoo. You're not going to have to remove it, basically. It's pretty much that solidified. But a team like the New York Jets, who apparently, like, they, I think they have, yeah, 69.8, or 69.8 thousand, I believe, if I remember correctly. Somewhere around 70,000. I, I know, which is funny, because Jacksonville and the Jets are one three the number two team in cap space is the new england patriots playing chess not or playing chess not checkers but the jets pick to me i know joe that you you agree with this is the jets pick to me holds all the cards in this draft there's no question because the jets could really i mean i i know a lot of people say detroit's bad but i think there's a lot less solidified in new york than there is in detroit I mean, Detroit, we got, we still got some good pieces. I mean, we got a young upstart corner in Okuda. Yeah, he had a bad season, but don't forget, a lot of these corners take time to develop, and especially for how hard the position is. Anyway, then we have Swift, then we have Hawkinson, and we have a quarterback. The fact is, is our, 
our situation is more solidified in the Chets, who really have a lot of moving, mixing pieces that are still going to be a little bit up in the air. And really, their pick is so high. If they pick quarterback, now that's going to take quarterbacks off the board. Teams are going to move up, and there's going to be a lot more moving in the draft, and teams are going to have mm-hmm. to change game plans all over yeah. the place. And, and I don't know, I don't know why they would choose quarterback to begin with, because I right. mean, Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold, he's. I I know a lot of people know my stance on Sam Darnold. He's a good quarterback, no matter what you can say. Like you can toss up, like oh, they he's the reason they went one and basically had a terrible season, this that and the other thing. But like, I'll say it once, I'll say it again. He's a garbage can. He's not garbage. He has to carry the garbage, but he's not actually garbage. Yeah, I think so. I. I know um, we talked to we talked about this on our Bach draft with um, the boys and um, Mike's and takes, which you can check out in the feed as well. We are Travis believes that Sam Darnold belongs in the XFL. That's a fair take. I mean, Sam Darnold's not he's not a big time caliber starting quarterback. He's not he's not a Stafford. He's not a Rodgers. He's frankly really has less potential than guys like Joe Burrow. And even what we've heard with Trevor Lawrence, he's not necessarily that guy, but he's a guy that like, if you're for say Denver, why not give him a try? Like you've had drew lock for how many years? Yeah. He has the arm strength of a lot of big arm throwers, but his accuracy, his ability, his ability to make plays and his decision-making really has set them back a little bit. Why not give other guys a try? And that's what Sam Darnold really is. But I mean, if you're the basically this is it for you with the Jets. If you're gonna take a guy like Zach Wilson, or even if you take a, a big a big risk and go for a guy like Trey Lance, who has less experience but a lot more potential, you can do that too. But this is the thing. You're now giving up that pick, and now you're saying, Yeah, we're gonna restructure the team. And to as much as it's gonna be, yeah, they're probably gonna be competitive this year, you're probably gonna have to say, okay. Now we're going to have to wait another year to start really putting the pieces together because if you're revamping a position for the future that you already have kind of um, a placeholder, you're going to, you're going to be set back still. And I think that would, that would be what happens with the Jets. But basically the Jets can go in about 15 different ways. And basically once whatever, whatever they pick is going to take away one team's slot on their, on their big board, especially position-wise. Like us mm-hmm. for Detroit – one of the most obvious positions we can go is receiver. We just lost Kenny Galladay. He's not franchise tagged. He's going to be a free agent. Marvin Jones, he wants to play for a contender. He's probably going to want out. So now we're down to Danny Amendola if he even wants to stay, which now gives us Quintez Cephas as our wide receiver one. So that's a pretty obvious we could take a receiver. If the Jets decide, you know, we need some firepower for Sam Darnold, we've only given him Jameson Crowder, so let's go out and get him Jamar Chase. And now the Dolphins are saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. We want to know. Okay. Oh, oh, now we're going to take Devontae Smith. And now the other teams are saying, oh, now these receivers aren't falling. If we want a receiver, we have to go up and get one. And now we're going to start seeing the draft change completely. And then if the Jets take offensive linemen, really that takes away Cincinnati's pick because Cincinnati is going to take Sewell if he drops that far. But if he doesn't, now what are they going to do? Are they going to take Kyle Pitts? Are they going to take a guy like a speedy receiver like Jaden Lone Waddle? or a Devontae Smith or take the chance on him. There's a lot of ways this draft can go. And I think the Jets, the Jets are holding the chips and how they've dropped those chips is going to really determine the decks of a lot of other teams. Yeah. That's the, that's the one crazy part is that's usually what happens for like every draft too. It usually just comes down like one or two teams that really hold all the cards in those situations. I mean, and it's crazy to see how much, like how much power the Jets have in this situation because they could use that as leverage for a lot of different things. They could use that as leverage for, you know, maybe trades if they want to and stuff like that. And, like, but it's just crazy to see, like, if they choose a receiver, how how much that's going to affect, like, 10, 12 teams that are down the line. If they choose a quarterback, how that's going to affect, like, 10, 12 teams down the line. Or if they choose, you know, offensive linemen, that's going to affect a lot of teams. And it's crazy just to see that one team really is going to basically – with one pick can change the whole outcome of the draft for a lot of teams. Yeah. And especially if we see a, um, a Deshaun Watson trade, obviously Nick Casario and Jack Easterby don't want that to happen. 
But if it does have to happen, now Houston's sitting at number three, especially if he goes to Miami. Now Miami's pick, which would be pretty set in stone as either they're going to take a, a high-powered receiver or a lineman. Now that's Houston. So now what is Houston going to do? Because they got, they got more defensive needs uh, across the board than the Dolphins do. So now that changes the whole concept of the draft, and now it opens things up even more, which gives teams, oh, we want offensive firepower. If you're a guy like, if you're a team like Pittsburgh, you know Juju Smith-Schuster probably wants his way out and is going to find another team, and you need another guy to catch passes from Ben Roethlisberger's probably his last season, you're going to have to make a jump for it. You're going to have to jump into the mid-teens or even more towards the, the, low, the low tens, the high, the, high, the high nines or eight pick. Like you're going to have to do it in order to make that move. So it, it, I think what's really going to be interesting is how much we see free agency being affected going into this, this draft, if it's going to wait out, especially if free agents say, I want to see where this team's going first before I commit mm-hmm. to them. Because of course you don't want to go to go to a place like Houston, who's then going to be like, you know what? We're just going to start over. It's like, wait, 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 that's not what you said after the draft. Oh, well, our draft changed it. Oh, okay. So how that's going to go about, I think is going to be really interesting. But, um, I mean, it's, it's just crazy time. I mean, we got, we still going to see guys getting cut over the next week. Um, you're going to have your bleacher report notifications on. And I mean, Tom Brady just solidified his extension. Um, Levante David has had his extension with Tampa like Tampa's ready to run it back. And really that's a team everybody's hunting at this point. That's who the chiefs are hunting. That's who the bills are hunting. That's who the Packers are hunting. That's where all these teams are looking at and saying, all right, we want to get there. How do we get there? And really with these new faces and new places, a lot of these concepts are going to change and you might see teams taking a lot different looks than they would in years past. Yeah. Always. I just think that like Tom Brady is just, I don't want to sound like I'm like I'm praising the guy, but just his mindset when it comes to like off season and like getting trades in and like free agency type situations, it always seems like he just like takes the cut so that way he can get guys around him. And I think that's the one reason why like he's always winning at football is because he just always is able to get guys around him because he doesn't always take the max deal. He doesn't always do like what Dak Prescott did to get the 126 million like. 40-year guaranteed deal or something like that. He always does it so that way he can get assets around him, so that way he can have a solid season, so that way he can get rings. And like he says, his favorite ring is always the next one. And I think that's the one mentality that he has that I don't think a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of other players share is because they're more focused on getting the bag and getting that kind of uh, that money to provide for them. So after football is all set, rather than focus, I think that what Tom Brady does is focus on the now and just get the – get the assets around them so that way they can win football games. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be something we're going to definitely have to watch over the next couple of weeks, especially before the draft. And um, I think we're probably going to be doing another mock draft at some point, whether it's late March or early April. So make sure you stay tuned for that. So you got to make sure you subscribe and follow on whatever platform you are following. But um, now switching gears a little bit, uh, moving over to the diamond baseball is back, believe it or not. I know there's still snow outside here in Michigan, but, Baseball is here as much as, I mean, let's be honest. We all want to be in Florida right now. We, we yeah, all want to be, to be. I love to be in Lakeland watching the Tigers right now. Oh, my goodness. I've been at Lakeland over two of the last three years, and it's just a beautiful place. I mean, it's not a, that big. It's kind of a weird. It's not necessarily like a huge place because, I mean, it's not like Orlando. It's not like Tampa. It's not like Miami. But like Lakeland's just like that special place where like all, all of us Tigers fans kind of have a little heart for home. But, I mean, it's it's just really going to be a, a, an interesting season. Um, we all know about A.J. Hinch being hired as a new skipper. And as much as people want to bash it, he's a cheater. He's, he's a guy that let the Astros scandal happen. He was the main guy behind it. He deserves to be banned from the league as it is. The guy wins. And I think what people overlook is when he took over this team 20 2014, 2015 era, era, ish era. And Astros were garbage. They were like, I'm they not were sure. Trash. Co- they, they were hot t- trash. They were awful. They had, they were in the position we were rock bottom, won like 40 games. AJ Hinch gets his team, builds it up, makes some moves, really does a great job of getting good player development. 
and builds this team into a juggernaut. I think them you not calling them a juggernaut throughout the 2016 to 2019 season is just wrong. Like they, they're a juggernaut. They were that good of a team. They had that many big superstar players. They could be anybody just with their talent alone. Now, they probably could have did that, but in the end, they decided to make sure of it by doing some things, and obviously they're not proud of it. I know A.J. Hinch has been really adamant that he's really taken a lot of time for self-reflection, and I, I, I'm, I'm glad for it because I think a lot of other managers are in the, are in the mindset of like, yeah, we're just going to pretend this doesn't happen. Hey, look at all the other things I did. Where A.J. Hinch is, you know, I did this. I know I should have did this, and I know I haven't. That's eaten me up for a year. I'm ready to make a difference, and I'm not going to run away from this fact that, yeah, I was a part of this. I know what was going on. I tried to stop it. I didn't do enough, and I paid the price for it. I'm going to mm-hmm. own it. He, I'm not proud of it, but I'm going to own it. And I think that shows a lot about his character compared to a lot of other coaches like Alex Cora really hasn't made a whole big deal about it. And I mean, he was the one that was pretty much doing it by what we've heard from reports um, in the investigation. So I, it's going to be a very interesting season because I think this team has a lot of talent. I mean, we've got some of the, some of the best pitching prospects we've ever had. Casey Myers, Tariq Skubal, uh, Matt Manning is a guy that always falls under the radar. Um, I'm, I, I mean, our farm system and our like prospects are usually like top five, like top, like usually top five in the whole league. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, I think the Tigers posted like a graphic. I think we had like five of the top 20 or top 30 or something like that prospects across the league. And like, we have a promising future. It's just, will we be able to have someone who's able to implement that? And, you know, Hitch. I'm indifferent because I know a lot of people know my stance in the Astros. I think they're bums for cheating. They shouldn't have done it. I thought, you know, they should get the ring stripped from them, even though they didn't. They basically got away with a slap on the wrist. But, you know, I do have respect that he did kind of own up to it and say, yeah, like that was – shouldn't have done it. Like, I, like, although, like, it was kind of just like blunt. It was, at least he said something rather than a lot of other guys. I feel like they just kind of tiptoed around the, around the issue a little bit and they didn't really – fully own up to it so that's what one thing i do have a lot of respect for hinch is that he did say like i did it it was my fault like stuff like that but nonetheless very excited for the tigers because you know it's been a long long time i thought we were past the the days of the over 100 lost seasons i thought we were past the days of being last in the league but nonetheless uh promising season this year i think with with the new signings and then with our prospects too that are kind of been doing pretty well uh, but nonetheless we'll see what happens yeah, I think the goal. I think the goal for this season is sixty-three and ninety-nine. Assuming we play one sixty-two, sixty-three and ninety-nine. We're done with triple-digit loss seasons. We're done with those. We're not doing those anymore. Yes, it's it's time to move on from those. Anything above sixty-three wins to me is is golden. I mean, that's going to be major improvement to say the least. But uh, I, I there's a lot of potential on this team. I think there's. I mean, we don't have that many big names anymore. I mean, we don't have Justin Upton. We don't have J.D. Martinez. We don't have Justin Berlander. We don't have a lot of these big-name players that we've lost over yeah. the years. We get that. But the young development of this team can be very successful. Look where the Rays are at. They don't have big, big-name players. They have chemistry, and they have development. They have guys that can fill spots all over the field, and that yeah. ended up getting them a long ways. So there is hope. In, for this Tiger season. I mean, we got Miguel Cabrera obviously still here. Um, please keep him at DH, please. Yeah, please, don't put please, him in the Hinch, field please. at all. Yes, we love you, Miguel. We know you can play first base. You don't have to show us anything. You've done it for 10-plus years. You, We know. You're in the spot where we want you to hit. We want you to hit nukes. That's what you do. You do it better than anybody in baseball at, a, at that high level. We need you to stay on the bench and take some swings at DH. But, I mean, the other, other infielders... I mean, I think it, it, what happens at first base, I think we're going to see a lot of Candelario at first base this year. Um, obviously, because we have Isaac Paredes, we have Harold Castro that can play third base really well. We have Goodrum, we have Cash. I think we'll see a lot of um, – it'll be interesting to see if we see a lot of Candelario at first full time or if we start to do um, – because we had a rotation going when we signed C.J. Crone last year. Who I, I like C.J. Crone. I wish he kind of yeah. stayed. But he's in that spot now where he's kind of looking, yeah, where am I gonna where am I gonna finish out my career basically? Cause he's getting towards that age. But 
I mean, there's a lot of key pieces on our on this roster. I mean, we kept Jonathan Scope, which was good. We have Nico Goodrum, who's really been kind of the young yeah. star face he's of really, the franchise. He's really started to blossom into a very yes. solid player because when we first when he first got pulled up, I was a little bit skeptical because he was kind of like that utility player. He kind of reminded me of Don Kelly more mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah, because he played he played solid, but he wasn't like a super. He, I wouldn't say superstar, but he wasn't like a take over the game type player, and He's finally started to actually show, like, hey, like, I have, I can compete. I can be the one that, like, if, if need be, I can come up with a big hit. I can come up with a big play to kind of rejuvenate the lineup and get us really going and get, get ready to win the game. And that's one thing that I really love about Neil Goodrum so far is that he's been able to kind of really step up to that role um, to not just a utility player but to a really strong asset to the team. Yeah, I think it's – I think Nico's a fantastic – player that we we want to hold on to for a long time and i mean he's young um he's he's got the upstart potential he's still got a he's still got a ceiling that hasn't been touched yet like he's got so much untapped potential and he can he can really be something special i mean he's i believe 20 29 if i remember correctly um yeah, something like that yeah uh yeah 29 yeah 29. i'll look it up for you I'll look it yeah up 29 you. i believe um yeah he's born in 92 uh, so I think it's 29. Um, but I mean, we're seeing, uh, yeah, I think 29. it'll be 29. Okay. So, I mean, he's still got time and I think it's really been, he's kind of one of those guys that necessarily doesn't peak at the beginning. He's peaking at the middle near the end. So, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how we approach the first base. Cause I know we know Nico can play first. Um, uh, we know he can play outfield. You know, yeah. we can play second base. We know well, we have play. we have Torkelson as well too. That's in the development. Who right? Is a, yes. Who was first base in college and can hit bombs? Yeah. And then now we're then they were like, oh, well, we drafted him. We're going to start developing at third base, which I that's a terrible idea. I think we should just get him for first base, and then Candelario already has experience at third. Toss him there, and then we can just keep scope at second. And then we can have uh, good room at shortstop, like we've usually had. Um, he was. Because I think Goodrum started to experiment at shortstop a lot more last season. Am I not? Am I? Am I correct? Say that again. Goodrum was at shortstop more last year, right? I think. I think he was. Okay, yeah, I think he wasn't there all the time, but I think he was there more than people expected. Yeah. I think is the the word to. I think is the description to say. But I mean, I think there's there's a lot of young potential on this team. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that are trying to figure out like, what, what is this team going to look like? And it's going to be a different look than like our 2014 team or 2015, 2016 teams where they were pretty much at star started potential with superstars. And it was really just being able to, to figure it out was really how to get it game in and game out was the only issue. But I yeah. think we have a lot of great potential on this team. I mean, we've got, We've got guys that are going to be are going to be tested in their spot. I mean, we got Wilson Ramos in the off season to be the to be a prime catcher for our new pitching staff and our new pitching coach. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how Grayson Griner does because I mean he was kind of handed the keys at one point where mm-hmm. we let go of Austin Romine. He's getting more playing time, like, and he kind of he kind of I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he really like, fell flat. He fell flat. Yeah, I was trying to use a baseball analogy. Um, not not a swing and a miss because he wasn't bad. It was just he he wasn't he wasn't batting two fifty. He was just a little bit inconsistent. I think is mm-hmm. really where a lot of us were saying, "Oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be this great," and we're like, "Wait, wait, hold up! Like, okay, you're putting this guy a little bit too high. He's 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 not he's he's not the next best thing. Like, yeah, he, he's he's not gonna be that guy." But I think it's going to be very interesting because we have so many good players on this team that I think we can really we can really make an impact and I think it's I think I'm just really excited because I think this team is going to be overlooked especially right now with what the the circumstances we're in. We're not the best team in baseball. That's pretty darn obvious, but I yeah. think it's where we can if we can get runs together like we've seen with some of Hinch's teams we can really we could do some damage. I mean, we got a game. We got games coming up this this weekend against the Yankees um, at home, and we're going to see some really good players. I mean, and Robbie Grossman's been a guy that I think is going to be interesting to watch playing left. And I mean, 
We've seen we've seen a little bit of Torkelson. Um, we've seen Willie Castro has really kind of stepped up in this time. Um, we've got Victor Reyes getting in there for Christian Stewart. Um, Jacoby Jones is back. Like, there's a lot of key pieces, and I mean, we haven't even really touched on the the new additions in pitching, but there's a lot of them. I mean, we have made some cuts, I believe, as of yesterday or this morning. Um, I think Bo Burrows and Kyle Funkhauser are going to be out of the Tigers' facilities, um, so they're not going to return. But I mean, we still got we still got a lot of other good pitchers. I mean, we've we've signed some guys that that can make an impact. Jose Harina is going to get a rejuvenation to his career, hopefully. Um, we're going to put Joe Jimenez in a new spot so he can kind of figure out um, what he needs to do. Um, we got Turnbull, who can be a stud some days, uh, just the consistency a little bit lacking. Obviously, we brought up Mize and Schoolball, their potential. Daniel Norris can get back to his potential. Michael Fulmer can just get on the mound, please. That'd be so beautiful. Um, yeah. We just have a lot of other guys. And I mean, we got um, Brony Garcia. We've got a lot of these guys. Brian Garcia might be our closer going into the season. So I think it'll be it'll be really interesting to see um, where this all plays out and how this pitching staff's going to look. We need the consistency. We need guys to last six innings. We need the the bullpen to bring it every night and we need guys. Cause I think the problem is our, our offense is going to be there. I think we can be at, at, I think we can be, I wouldn't say we the bat compete with a lot of good teams. On our yeah, offense. yeah. 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 I think be the consistency of the defense is what's really going to come up to. It's really what I think is going to be the deciding factor game, especially pitching. Yeah. If we can hit the average level of major league baseball teams on offense, the defense is, I think where we're going to have to see strides to become a, a legitimate team which will take time, but trust the process, right? I mean, I know yeah. it's a basketball thing, but it, it's still, it's still it, it works for anything. But, uh, Brandon, I know you saw it, and I saw it too. MLB is going to be using some new experimental rules in uh, the uh, AAA, or I think AAA, single-A, double-A, and then high-A um, uh, leagues for this year. Some of them are pretty stupid. interesting. Yeah, stupid. You can say it. Yeah, some say of them are it. really stupid. I think it's mainly just they're trying to grow the game so it's not th- like you don't have to sit down and watch for three hours. But also, some of the changes or some of the rules that they're changing are just dumb. Yeah. Just extremely stupid. Yeah. I, you know what? I'll take it back. I, I've, I've watched the game plan. Stupid is a mean word. So we'll say we'll say dumb. Not not very fun. Fun rule changes. I I. There's yeah. some that are okay, but there's some like okay. So I'll go. I'll read through a couple. So yeah, in AAA, ahead. they are get, making the bases larger from 15 inch squares to 18 inch, so that way they can, I guess, increase the amount of stolen bases. Which I don't understand what that. I don't really think a three inch difference is going to do a whole lot, but you know, I think I think if, I think what I'll sorry I'll jump in real quick. I think the one of the big reasons behind the larger bases is. They're trying to make it so there's not as many collisions mm. with stolen bases, I think is their idea, because I think there's a lot of it that like we've seen, obviously, um, the the start of it where Bautista slid into Rodor and um, where Chase Utley pretty much, I think, I can't remember who it was, met shortstop Tejada or whatever, where he pretty much tore, tore his ACL sliding into him. So yeah. I think that's I think that's also a big reason behind it. Um, but I, I mean, think you're still going to see it anyways, though, is because like most yeah. of the time, because with the Jose Bautista thing, that wasn't even like an accident. I'm pretty sure that that was on purpose. And then the Chase right. Utley thing, I was on, it was on purpose, too. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen on purpose. And that's what's been able to happen most of the time anyways. And if they're trying to make it so that it's like easier for guys to steal base and get to the outside of the bag, a lot of the guys who steal the bases already have mastered the swim move. And have been able to get around tags to begin with. So it's just, I mean, there's really not going to be a huge difference, I feel like, other than maybe the close plays are going to go the runner's way more than more often than not. But nonetheless, I just, I don't know. It's it's not going to have a huge difference on the game. It's just like, okay, like, I guess you can do it. It's not going to be that big of a difference. But um, another one, Brandon, well, here's two of them that I think are the dumbest things. Is double A, you are no longer allowed to, or there's a limit on defensive shifts. So when there's a lefty, infielders cannot go in the outfielder anymore, which I think is just stupid. Yeah, I I get what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, they're trying to make the game more, I would say, 
I don't want to say fair, but I think the idea is. I think they're trying to make it more offensive based. Yes. Trying to get more I, excitement. That's, I think, what they're trying to do. Is and whatever, I, but I don't. I just don't hit, don't pull it. If you're in the if you're in the major league or if you're a professional baseball player that that's your job for a living, like in high school I could hit an oppo. If you're yeah. if you're a major league baseball player and you can't hit an oppo yet, or even if you're in the minors and you can't hit an oppo, like what are you like what are you doing? Like you can't beat a shift like that because you pull it every time. I that's one thing that just makes no sense of why they're. I just don't. Call me an old man baseball fan where I just don't want things to change, but nonetheless, I just think that's a stupid rule change. And then another one, um, high single A, Brandon, you can't do a step off anymore. You have yeah. to – the rule – okay, I'll read the rule. Rule says pitchers will be required to disengage the rover prior to throwing to any base. Uh, if they don't, it's the penalty of a balk in the event if the pitcher fails to comply. Um, so I don't think we're going to be seeing any lefty pickoff moves anymore. We're not going to see any pickoff moves anymore. That's yeah, there's that's no the snap throw. You're, you're not going to see you're not going to see any lefty pickoffs. You're not going to see any second base pickoffs anymore because you're not even going to unless someone's leading off like halfway to third. You're not going to see it at all. It's it's dumb because I just feel like they're trying to cater to the cash like I don't say casual but the person who's like doesn't watch baseball at all to realize like how much skill that takes to do pickoffs or how much skill it takes to do this, that, and the other thing. And it just is annoying to the, like, especially for me, cause I watch baseball my entire life and to just watch it. So I like, I really enjoy guys who spent their whole life trying to really do something there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I think your audio cut out there for a little bit, but I oh. I, I think I I know what you I know what you mean. I think when I look at this this step off rule, like the snap throw by a left-handed pitcher is now off a off a step off is now illegal. Like to me, there's these guys on on base. There's there's like no way to pick off anymore. And as a former pitcher, like pickoffs are one of the most like underrated hype plays you can have because I know like really change the momentum. Yes. Like as a fielder, there's times where it's just not your day or teams are finding, finding holes everywhere in the outfield or in the infield or whatever teams are just hitting great. If you can't get those outs fielding, how are you going to get them out now? Like you're going to have to rely on the pitcher, which a pitcher is now put on the complete stress that I got to strike this dude out. Where now it's like, oh, I can strike him out or I can use this nasty pickoff move that I worked on in the offseason. Where now, if you're not having a great pitching day, there's still opportunities to get things out. Now that's just taken away, there's going to be a lot of pressure being put on pitchers to throw perfect strikes, which even today in Major League Baseball, those batters take any strike and they can put it anywhere they want, especially especially fastballs. So to me, this is this is putting way so much pressure on pitchers now they're going to have to relearn how to do pickoff moves how to because when you if you're a base runner and i know we both had experience with this if you see a step or a, a back step where the pit boom automatic you're going back to the back there's yeah, there's, you see there's that, no you see that right foot move yeah especially yeah. right hand throws if you see that right foot move you're back to the back yeah and if like obviously lefties are a little bit different but yeah. the thing that like this having the snap throw is what gets you just that a little bit of time to re to to get the reaction away from the the runner. That's what you can use. Like good base runners are gonna. You don't have to be a good. This is basically you don't have to run bases as extreme and efficient as you as you would with that with this with this rule now. You don't have yeah. to be that great at base running. Like snap throws are what keep you on your toes, and that makes it more of a guessing game. And that gets that gets now pitch count hold counts. One, two. Oh, he's holding it long. Oh, he's holding it long. Coming back. No, he's going. Now now it's more of a guessing game. And then at any second, it's boom, snap throw. Ball's halfway there. Now you got to react to it. And you're basically a, de- you're basically a deer in headlights. You have nowhere to go. And that's the thing that gets pitchers that, that edge, especially when they're not throwing that as well. So I think now you're going to see a lot. And I know baseball is trying to make it more exciting. There's going to be more offense. But we... We are here in baseball to enjoy it as America's pastime, the history, the way the game's played. 
We don't need 15, 14 games. Are they fun? Oh, yeah, but do we need them every night? Because then it's kind of anything less of that is going to be dis- it's just disappointing. Like it's not yeah. like what I'm basically saying is now if you see games that are going to be like two to one, they're going to be just poop compared to what they were a couple years ago. Excuse my excuse my foul language. <laughs> Pardon my French a little bit. Yeah, it's it's kind of annoying, especially like. I don't know. It just seems like they're trying to cater to the casual fan rather than to the actual. Correct. The actual like baseball, like diehard fans, which is annoying, but I can understand that they're trying to grow the game, but I think they could do it in different ways. And then the last rule change, which I don't really have a problem with with this one is uh robot umps. And then the pickoff pickoff limits I have a change with, but the robot umps, I don't know. That could really, I feel like that could be doing something. Well, the only thing that I, am kind of opposed to them including that is like we're not going to see the player interactions when there's such a blatantly terrible call and then the arguments between the pitchers and the umpires or like the or the or the skippers and the umpires because those were one things that i really enjoyed watching was just to see how passionate they can get uh between each other and that's one thing that's interesting but the pickoff limits i feel like is a stupid thing yeah i think um so the i think the the automatic ball strike um systemated camera operated umpire i think is something we've seen coming especially for how many times we've seen angel hernandez around the plate <laughs> sorry but not sorry. angel hernandez he's is got to get better he's got to get better um i i do have i don't have as much beef with the pickoffs um uh, i mean obviously having a pitcher background and uh, having a chance to play baseball in college and turning it down like i think there's a i think there's an opportunity to um make the game faster and i think that is one way because i know like there's times i i will admit there's times pickoffs stall that's what they do pickoffs are a stalling technique because you're not going to throw it all the way over you're still trying to figure out a hitter you're trying to see what they're doing you're trying to see it where their hands are at their feet are at their swings at you're still trying to find those things and sometimes you need a little more time and you pick off throw all the time where it, I'll be frank, like throwing over three, four times, and you see it a lot in the college game. Like I was watching a game yesterday, Alabama was playing. I think it was South Alabama, um, and kind of not an exhibition, but just kind of a region, uh, a fun little state regional game. Um, there was a guy that got he they he threw over about four or five times. You could tell he was stalling because he knew he he was not gonna get by this hitter. I think he was their three hitter. He was stalling so much, and the face of the matter, like that gets too long. Like there, yeah. I. I th- I don't think you I do, say yeah. I don't think it's I think two might be I think three is the mark two a little bit I think three yeah it's the three strikes you're out yeah. roll it over three pickoffs that makes sense but I because th- anything after that is just a clear clear image that they're stalling and I think yeah. there's I think there's another one too the I think it's in the the I, yeah the, you talked about the um the low A rule change of the ball strike the robot system. And there's also the, uh, I think in the West, because I think they split it up regionally, like one side's doing this and the other side's doing um, a pitch clock. I think that's going to be shut down immediately because 15 seconds, so dumb. 15 seconds to throw a pitch, you're going to see a lot less quality pitches because some, te- some teams need new, they need to switch out balls. They need to, they yeah. need to change some things. And you know, so, that's, just, that's the one thing is like these guys who are in the pros, even with low A and stuff like They've been playing their whole lives, and they've established a routine that helps them get in the zone before each pitch. And to have you rush that, especially, it does get annoying for those guys who take long. I think if you remember Jose Valverde, who took like forty seconds between each pitch, yeah, that was that was a little bit egregious, I think. But like for those guys who, you know, it makes you kind of have to find the happy medium because I do understand like it does get annoying because we've seen it before, but. The fifteen pitch, the fifteen second pitch count is a little bit too fast, especially for guys who still have kind of, they, they spent their whole lives basically perfecting this craft, and to base and to have them hurry it up, I don't think that's going to be a good idea. Yeah, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to to say the least of how these changes are going to go about. Um, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how they play out. Um, I think out of all of these. Um, I don't think the shifting's there yet. I think the shifting is element that baseball is going to keep. I don't think, I think the larger bases 
Um, I don't know if 18 inch is the, the, the answer, but I think making, I think the idea of making them bigger is probably the most appealable to the, the major level. And we haven't, we're not going to see any changes this year in major leagues. Um, I think the only thing that'll probably stay is the time in between innings, because frankly, like, all right, we don't need to wait five minutes in between innings. Like teams are ready within a, a minute, 30 or two minutes. Like yeah, sometimes even shorter ready. than that. I think it's more just yeah. like, I think it's more just the, uh, I guess because they're trying to make it more of a business where they try to make it some entertaining stuff in between. And that's usually what takes longer. And that's because, I mean, when I go to the Whitecaps and stuff, usually I see guys that are just like they're they do like the three warm up like grounders to them high speed. And then after they're just like, OK, like I'm ready to get back into the inning and stuff. And then they have to wait through all like kind of like this promotional stuff that they have to do. And I think that's the one problem is kind of cut that back. I, I don't think it's more. Because I feel like if you just left it to the players, they'd be ready to go way earlier. But it's kind of up to the the club that usually does the stuff that's in between the innings. That is the that's really the time time waster. Yeah, I think that's the I, I I think we can all agree we want baseball games to be shorter. I think that's fair because we don't. I know I've sat through a five hour game at Miller Park. That's not fun. Like it's brutal. Like, and I know it was 90 degrees that day and that you, you want teams to have a better chance warming up and being able to, because the heat exhaustion is an awful thing. I know some of us have experienced it before. It is a terrible thing. We don't want anybody to go through that, but I think that we don't want to see five hour games. We want to see the three hour games. You want to be able to be, okay, Mm -hmm. we want to see everything. We don't want to be waiting 10 minutes in between innings. So it makes sense, but we don't want to take away from the structure and the style of how the game's played. And especially with how I think how relaxed it is as a sport. I think we have to keep that in mind because when we take, we make, we don't want to make these like NBA games where it's like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, it's over. Like, Oh, well we just kind of missed it. Like it's, it's just gone in a blur. We don't want to do that because baseball is supposed to be relaxing time. It's supposed to be the time you get away from your, your job. It's supposed to be the time you go out with your with your family and kids, enjoy some hot dogs, enjoy some peanuts. Like that's just the way baseball is. It's a different kind of yeah. a sport compared to football or basketball. I think we need to keep it that way, but we also need to keep in mind how are we going to make it as efficient of a time as possible. Yeah. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take away time from the players as far as being it like, okay, you have to have like 15 seconds per pitch. I think that a pitch clock will be implemented at some point. Not 15 seconds. Make it 20 or 25 or 30. Like, don't, don't, don't try to make the players now have to adjust. Making the players have to adjust to the game is different than adjusting to the to the game for the players. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like the base thing, that's adjusting for. So now with the base, you're now making them safer, a safer time to try to like to try to get to the base. Whereas a 15 second pitch, like somebody normally takes 30 seconds. Now you're affecting their game. I think that's something that's going to be very interesting. And I think Bill, we might see more, more changes moving forward, but we'll just have to see how these go. But thank you guys again for joining into the podcast. Great show with Joe as always. If you want to be a guest yeah, on the yeah, show, yeah. message us on Twitter and Instagram at the MBSP. Look on out for our bracketology episode coming out next week. And until next time, Joe, we'll see you later. Take care, everybody.